Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to episode number 153, Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Selden, your host and a super busy interior design professional. I don't know about you guys, but I seem to do so much better with really huge projects where we're just fully in it. When it gets to the point where there's three things left to do on six projects, I kind of lose my mind, and that's where I'm at the moment. Just a few little dribs and drabs, deficiencies that aren't done, or one little thing the client added at the last minute, and it just keeps pulling me back into a project that should be done, but it's not, and that's where I'm at today. So, oh well, poor me, right? Nobody's got sympathy because you got your own stuff going on. That's why we get along so well because we understand each other. I am heading out the door for three weeks in beautiful Bali and New Zealand. Pure vacation. I'm going to do a yoga retreat, and then I'm going to be staying with some friends at a beach house, and then I'll be doing some hiking, etc. in New Zealand, all with girlfriends, and I'm really looking forward to it. And that means that you're going to have Cheryl on the podcast uh, next week, I think, doing the introductions, if that's how things go. I can't quite remember. But anyway, for today... You have me and an interesting conversation with an architect. And so I'm going to pose the question, can architects and designers be friends? And listening to this interview again, the answer is, gosh, I don't know. It's so challenging. And I think our guest, Ramona Albert, who is an architect in New York and Connecticut, has some really good insights into the dilemma For one thing, the areas of expertise can get blurred, and I think that it's true in my own office when I don't have a clear job description for staff, things go wrong. And when I have a crystal clear job description, things go better. So why wouldn't that also be true in the real world when interior designers and architects get together on a project and our skill sets cross over a bit sometimes? So Ramona's got some really good insights. I don't think we solved any problems, but as you're listening, if you're thinking, I know another architect that should be on the podcast because we need to talk this through, we would love to hear from you. There are architects who are members of Business of Design, and we've talked to so many of them personally and understand their struggles are similar to our struggles, and being profitable is a challenge for them like it is for us and running businesses in a streamlined fashion, exactly the same. So we have much more in common than we have as differences. And I think that'll become clear in the conversation as well. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ramona. She is an award-winning architect, and she lives in Brooklyn. She has a Brooklyn-based studio, and she's founder and principal of Ramona Albert Architecture. She relies on her extensive experience in construction management to develop buildings and products from inception to final construction. She loves to innovate. Um, She loves to take the project all the way. In fact, she even refers to designing candlesticks for a project, which is something I've never done, and I think I'm pretty darn detail-oriented. She holds a Master of Architecture from Harvard University Graduate School of Design. She's taught... She's lectured, and she's even published some of her own work. 
One thing Ramona says in the episode might surprise some of you. She says there is a push in the architecture world for architects to take back the interiors. I think that's going to make some of you mad, and I don't want it to, because the truth is, if an architect feels that she or he can do the whole project top to bottom in a home, why shouldn't they be able to do that? Which would then also mean, as an interior designer who's a licensed interior designer, we should also be able to build homes of the allowable scale, depending on where you live. It's unfortunate, I think, our associations have done a very poor job of educating clients. And that was something when I graduated from design school in 1991 that all the associations said, oh yeah, we're going to definitely educate clients about the difference between designers and decorators, which has not happened at all. And given that has not happened at all, and in fact, after this episode with Ramona, I think the lines are blurred between interior designers and architects as well. We're on our own to advocate in a smart way while being compliant with the laws in the state or the province or the country that you live in. So it's really important that you're always checking to make sure you are in compliance. It's my belief there's a workaround if you're not. And one of the workarounds is becoming a contractor. And Ramona mentions that she's a contractor as well. We're going to talk more about that through Business of Design membership in the coming years because I think that's becoming more and more of an issue. And I realize it doesn't affect everybody. There are some people who just absolutely love doing the decorating and the design, and I completely understand how wonderful that is. And there are also some of you who have great relationships with general contractors, and you figured it out. You figured out how you want to work together. But I will say this. If you want to make seven figures as an interior design professional, I don't believe you can do it only doing decorating. I, I've never been able to figure out how to do that. But if you want to make seven figures and you're also really building projects and managing the projects and acting as the lead on the project, that's the big thing for me, act as the lead on the project. Remember, remember the Jedi mantra, I am the expert, I am the prize. I am on a mission to help. I can only help if I lead right? We talked about that in Blair N's episode, uh, just one episode back, I think. So we'll talk more about that in those wise, wise words on a future episode. But for me, that's what it boils down to. I want to be the lead on the project because that's the only way I can ensure that my ideas get carried through to fruition. And in my experience, it's the best way to ensure I'm going to have a happy client at the end of the project. They want me to be the lead too. So lots of reasons to figure out how to remain compliant while doing your job. And I have not yet been able to find a lawyer who can tackle that problem, believe it or not. So if you've got someone wise and wily who's willing to figure it out, Business of Design will hire that person. Please let us know. We're going to jump right into the episode with very few announcements. We have so many things that are going to be happening. I'm just going to tease you with all of them. Business of Design Elite Retreat, Palm Springs 2020. Registration is going to open on March 16th. As usual, we send out early bird notification to those members who attended a previous retreat or the conference. So check your inbox if you don't have that information because it's only going to be available to you for a couple of weeks. We'll let you know how many spots are available after that. We are also planning for Business of Design Conference 2021, and that's going to happen again at Las Vegas Market, January 23rd and 24th. So if you're thinking this year, should I go to KBIS or should I go to Business of Design's conference? 
You absolutely want to make the choice to go to Business of Design's conference or go to Cavis and hang around for a few extra days and then come to Business of Design conference or start your trip with Business of Design conference and then go to Las Vegas market afterwards. But anyway, more details are coming about that. A real quick push for membership. Those of you who are paid members, we cannot do the important work without you. So thank you so much. I'm going to mention one last thing. If you live in Australia, aren't you lucky? It's beautiful there. And I am looking forward to going back to Australia, in particular to Byron Bay, to participate in a retreat that's being hosted by design coach Andrew Mitchell. I am not sure where Andrew is in terms of how many spaces are available, but I know his retreats have sold out in the past, and he is looking to fill up his September retreat. He'll be coming on to the show in a couple of episodes, and he'll tell you more about the retreat then. And now we're going to jump into the show, and thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey, Ramona, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I see behind you, there's like a flurry of work at the office happening today. Are you busy with a bunch of projects or one specific one you're trying to get out the door? Uh, we have a few things going on, but one of them is actually um, a new townhouse renovation that we're doing in Brooklyn. So it's kind of, uh, we're building a new building and we're doing a townhouse renovation. So it's, it's, um, it's interesting. It's two different things, but very similar. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it's nice to uh, have a conversation with someone who's squeezing it in like me today because work is busy. That's wonderful. Can we first just talk about like, what's the difference between an architect and an interior design professional in your mind? Oh my God. That's a, that's an interesting question because we always have, we, we talk about this often as architects, you know, there's always, it's like between architects and contractors and architects and interior designers, there's always this kind of conversation, like, you know, who's right, who's not right. But I honestly, um, I value a lot (laughs) interior designers um, because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a specialty job, you know, it's a specialty job, especially because you're dealing with so many issues that, um, first of all, architect don't know or don't care to, to deal with, you know, I mean, I'll just be really honest about it. What Um, in your mind are those issues though? What do you think are the issues that designers deal with that architects don't want to deal with? I bet we don't want to deal with them either, but yeah, I'd love to hear it's um so it's it's funny because there is this there's this um push in um 
in the architecture world um, and in the in the construction world, and um, that because of speed, for example, take a condo, you know, a condo building, right? Um, and uh, because of speed and uh, and uh, money and turnaround, you know, times, the architects usually stop uh, designing the building when it comes to the interiors. So most of the times, the interiors are this bleak, empty spaces you know they're just like painted white and left for you know with the outfitted with the cheapest kind of materials you know because the architects focused his or her attention on the outside of the building and what it looks like because all because usually developers want the architects to only create a shell so right. in when it comes to yeah. the when it comes to the the construction of larger buildings usually architects are tasked with creating the shell with the larger ideas and understanding what the facade and the exterior look looks like and then the interiors are um are kind of you know not really thought through so they're they're left mm-hmm. you know it to be desire thought it's an afterthought, yeah. but I I see a big problem with that, and I'll tell you why. Because, because um, you know, actually, we we love to to go all the way and actually understand what the interior spaces are like and and design fully, and that's actually a very um, kind of modernist approach to design. You know, to kind of think about you know all the steps all the way to the end, but. Given that you know our times have changed and and developers drive the process, um, what happens is that um, that they do not bring in the interior designers at the moment when the building is designed, and so there's a discrepancy between the interiors and then the exteriors of the building. And so, I see actually a problem with that. I mean, obviously, they everybody runs their their building projects as they want to run them. But my problem is that um, then there is not a harmony between the exterior and interior. So if you were to bring interior designers in from the beginning of the project and have them design, you know, the interiors of each of the condo um, accordingly, I think there would be a lot more harmony and beauty in the project itself. But most of the time, it's not done like that. Private, every residential owner hires their own interior designer to then outfit Right. The, the property right and then right. and then some interior design professionals are going to be good and and in that case they're going to respect the architecture and they're going to carry that through and others are going to say i don't care a bit that it's modern i want a victorian mashup and so right came on yeah so i yeah i completely understand that but i always think it is so much better to have everybody involved at the same time but I understand from a cost perspective why clients don't do it. And so what happens in our world a lot is we're hired after the architect has given, been uh, handed the client's uh, drawing package, which is not complete. And it's right. not complete because everything hasn't been carried through the interior. And so then we start working on the interior and we realize some things aren't mashing up with the exterior. And um, so that's fine. It can be fixed, but it'd be just so much more seamless to have it all happen at once. We often like to hire the architect after we've been hired to go through our drawings and say, hey, what do you think? What Add, add your spin on things. Help us with all of the structural roof lines. I don't know how to do any of that. Like I you know, draw a roof and it's a triangle. But there does seem to be some tension in the industry between the two two factions. And I can speak for the interior design side. Often interior design professionals think architects take all the money up front. 
and there's nothing left over for interior design, right? <laughs> when I talk to architects, they're like, no, we don't get all the money. So tell me about that. What's, what's your impression of that? It's interesting that I don't think that's the case. I think, I think it depends on the client as well and how much they value, you know, every piece of the project. But, um, but I think, I think we have to go beyond these kinds of conversations because there was just, um, one of the guys, uh, you, um, like someone, someone who will be running the the Biennale this year, he suggested you know architects should take back the interiors. You know there is uh, there was a conversation about architects taking back the interiors. Well, I think our world has become so specialized, you know, that uh, there is a lot of value in understanding the specialty of each professional. You know, and I and I know that everybody's fighting for you know for that slice and for that piece of of money you know from the from the client. But I'm trying to understand you know because I I don't think that the projects are successful if you if you try hiding one person from the other. You know, if you bring in both pieces of the team together and to kind of try to figure out the the. The, the project, because if, if you come in, for example, if, if interior designers come in and, and the, there's no walls to run, you know, you, know, you want to put in a sink or you want to put in a, uh, you know, fireplace or something, but there's no flutes, there's, there's nothing for you to be able to connect to, then that's a problem. But, um, but these are issues that usually architects don't really think about when you, when you design, you know, when you're given a problem of designing a shell. You know, mm, right. um, one of the very successful projects that was, that was great is that, um, I was involved with the TWA terminal in, um, the Sarin and TWA terminal where I consulted for the design of the facade. So I was involved with the facade, but given the nature of the project and given the kind of, uh, quality, you know, of, of, uh, of, of achievement that they wanted to, to get to, they brought in the interior design team. And so the interior design team worked very carefully with the, with the architectural team to kind of understand, and also with, with everyone, you know, in, in the process to understand where, um, the pieces of the puzzle fall in, you know? So, um, that was carefully thought out from the beginning, which, which was a great, Mm-hmm. which was great. Also, it's a hotel, so it's a little bit different than a condo when you bring in your own interior designer. Right. right. And it definitely speaks to my sort of kind of gross generalization that architects work from the outside in and interior designers work from the inside out. And if you don't, if is an interior designer, if I'm not paying attention to what's on the outside, I've really ruined the project. But as an architect, if I'm not paying attention to what's on the the inside, I, I feel like I've also ruined the project. So yeah. it's interesting that we don't, um, it's just, it's interesting that we're just not more seamless together. And in fact, I do think architects should take back the interiors if they have the capacity to really give them their full attention. That's fine. Just like a lot of interior designers will do the outside of a home and the inside of a home to the extent that our ability allows that. But it's not for everybody, right? There are those architects, I assume, who just want to do the shell because that's a completely specialized um, talent, which I don't have, which I think is incredible. Um, and then there are some who I do think they think of the interior as being kind of after, an afterthought, which is too bad. Cause I think sometimes I look at architectural websites and I think the website would be so much better if they hired an interior designer, even just at the end to furnish. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's an issue as well, because 
uh, when the focus is on the form, when the focus is on the, you know, and on the idea of the form, mm -hmm. you don't really think about the details, you know, that kind of becomes so minuscule that it, it becomes unimportant. Mm -hmm. And so, so these, I think there's, this goes to different kinds of schools of thought, right? There is like, there's, there's the kind of modernist schools of thought, which things, you know, we should get involved in everything all the way down to the furniture and think about, you know, that architects are, are part of, of the, the full project spectrum. Then there is the kind of more contemporary, you know, and then the more, um, Actually, I shouldn't say that it's, it's a more contemporary kind of specialty process where there's, there's specialized, you know, ways of doing this. And interior designers have a way of understanding the interiors. And also there's a lot of relationships that interior designers have that architects do not have, you know, that can pull together a project from beginning to end very quickly, you know, and these relationships are, are generated over time. So, and it's the same with contractors, you know, there's, there's always this conversation of the contractor ruined my project, you know, then there's, you know, so then, and, And you advocate for working very closely with the contractors, yeah. you know, and actually... We agree, not, right, on that, that if, you don't yeah. manage, if you're not managing the contractor, someone has to be the lead on the project. And if the lead is the architect, then the architect has to manage the contractor all the way through. And if the lead is right. the interior designer, then she has to manage the contractor all the way through. Because if you let the contractor manage the project, it will not look like the drawing package, no matter who did it, a designer or an architect. It's going to be different. Yeah. So, and I have to tell you, like, I have to tell you, I've definitely been approached by interior designers to, to file their drawings. You mean a stamp? A stamp. So I'm a licensed architect uh, in New York and Connecticut, and I can get reciprocity in any state, you know, so it's, it's not an issue. And I'm also a licensed contractor, believe it or not. It's, it's weird. No, so it's, I, it's, becoming, <laughs> it's coming to the point where I'm, we're teaching interior designers that if you really want to have control of your projects, you're going to have to be a licensed contractor because there's no other way to maintain control of the project. I think so. I think so. And it's, and it's, um, What I, what I wanted to say is that it's very interesting that, that I've been approached by interior designers to just simply stamp the drawings, and I refuse to do that. That's something that I don't usually do because stamps come with their own responsibility, and if something falls on someone's head, you, you know, so if they you want you to stamp it without the a project. They want you to stamp it without a review? Yeah, it's very common that people ask that question. Oh, that's crazy. It's quite expensive yeah. to get a stamp. If, if you hire a company that's going to do a thorough review, the stamp is pricey and worthwhile. Yeah, but it's interesting having this conversation. I refuse to do that. I do not like stamping other people's drawings because also because we're a very much design-oriented office. Mm. So we don't like to just give out the stamp for, you know, for other uses. So we refuse those projects unless we're involved in the design of the project itself. Mm -hmm. But yes, there are other architecture companies who that's what they do. They review drawings and they stamp them. And that's a different kind of architecture office. Those are mm -hmm. usually architecture offices who are not involved in design and they don't care, you know, of what. Yeah. The architects I know who do that um, see that as Uh, a little side hustle, uh, extra income that comes in and they might assign an intermediate architect to the job of reviewing the drawings and making sure everything is to code, et cetera. And so it's a, it's a cash thing. It's a cash flow thing. It keeps the money coming in kind of thing. But I, but I also understand saying, I don't want to get involved in that because the minute you review those drawings, of course you have liability and that's why the States want you to do that. So they can spread the liability around. <laughs> 
It's a business decision. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get why it wouldn't work for somebody. And I also get why somebody else says, yeah, I have a huge staff. Not everybody's busy every single day. If, you know, we can bring in a hundred of those projects a year, that's a nice revenue stream. And yeah, I understand making the choice one way or the that's other. But you do, yeah. you do absolve, you do absorb the liability though. For sure. You do. That's, you do. Yeah, you do. A portion yeah. of it anyway. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so then in terms of things that have happened personally to you on job sites with interior design professionals, what would you say to us are things that we could maybe think about or things that we could do better, things that would make it easier for an architect to work with us? You know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, proponent of, of day one kind of involvement of the whole team, you know, because, um, and I think one of the things that it's, it's, uh, it's hard to tell everyone is that I think egos kind of have to go away. And that's, that's one of the things that kind of gets in the way of a successful project. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've been involved in very large projects where, um, I've heard the word, yeah, interior designers, bring them in. They can, they can just, you know, put on wallpaper, you know, and, and it's always been the conversation of, no, that's not what we want. If you want a successful project, project then don't don't just bring them in to put on wallpaper then we need to have a larger conversation about what we want to do to the end of the project on every project that I have actually even though you know like I said we do a lot of the interiors I do collaborate with interior designers from the beginning so my team is put together from the very beginning of the of the design process and I think that's one of the ways that you can actually create more successful projects. And so I think the ego thing is, is a big thing. And there's always been, I remember when I was in graduate school, this idea of interior design was just, everybody was, was, was telling us that, you know, they're not needed, you know, and the more, the more I, I, uh, I was in the real world, you know, where we were doing a lot of projects, I realized that yes, there's a definitely, you know, there's so much knowledge that we don't have that they can bring into the table. Yeah. And so yes. I guess it's up to each professional to decide what they can be expert and amazing at. And if what you can be expert and amazing at is everything from top to bottom, uh, awesome. Oh, and by the way, I, I love what you said about ego. It's true, right? Like whoever has the best idea that serves the client, that idea should be brought forward, right? It doesn't matter who had the good idea. I know it's easy to say, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I do find women are better at it than men. I have to say, I've had very difficult relationships with some male general contractors who just don't ever want to co- cooperate. Yeah. Do you ever run into that as an architect or is that just lucky us? Well, I used to be... a. Um, project manager for Tishman Construction. So I managed $200 million of, right. of uh, facade work. And I have to tell you that um, when I left, the installers were crying. Um, these big guys, you know, big <laughs> muscles, they're crying. And, and to this day, I am very good friends with them and I am going to visit them. They're building one Vanderbilt right now and which is a big tower in New York and I'm going to visit them. And I love being one of the guys. I understand 
the rough and tough kind of conversations, you know, and it's usually, it doesn't bother me. You know, I understand it's like, it's just temporary and you scream and, and get it out, you know, your system and then you can move on. Yeah, It's like little kids, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> so obviously I've had many frustrating interactions, but I've had some of the most amazing interactions. And I tell you why, because I learned a lot from these guys, you know, I learned so much and we learned from each other. Now, having come to the smaller building process, now that I'm on my own and I'm not, um, you're not Tishman. I was going to say, you're in a very different position when you're Tishman. Yeah. So it was very, so now that I'm on my own and I'm doing, I'm dealing with contractors that are on a smaller scale. And I was talking to a contractor on the phone and uh, we were having a conversation, almost an introductory conversation. And I asked him, what do you think if we would just, you know, just bring the whole thing in, crane it in. It's not that big, you know, let's crane it in. And the guy just like screamed at me and he goes, are you effing crazy? Call me back when you've learned how to build something. And he hung up the phone. (laughs) And I was like, okay, fine. You know, next. Um, but I realized well, because you know, the, for them, that's the, a death knell to part of what they do. Right. So they see that, that that's like asking a taxi driver about Uber. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right. But it was just, it was the whole thing, you know, which wouldn't, which probably it was one of those like childish things. Probably if I would have been a 50 year old guy, you know, I would have not gotten the phone hung up in my face. You know probably. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it wouldn't. But I just sat there for a second and I thought, did this just happen? Like, is this guy, honestly, like, did he just do this? And it happens to me a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, And so the relationship between interior designers and us, I feel like it's a lot more ego-driven, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of territorial, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas um, when it comes to these relationships with contractors, Again, then it's like a then it's like a relationship of of uh, showing who knows more. You know mm-hmm. that even if you design something, you know they know more, and then you you haven't done the proper thing. Yeah. Um, well, they that both that also um, boils down to egotism. Yeah. So it's like all of us maybe need to check it at the door, <laughs> right? I try when I'm entering a job where there's going to be a, a team to really put myself in a position where I'm supposed to, I'm there to be of service to the client. That's my job. And if being of service to the client means I have a great idea on Monday, but on Wednesday I take the great idea from the architect, that's fine. That's how it's supposed to go. Right. And it's also, I have to say something. It's also client education because a lot of the times the clients and developers drive the process and they decide who mm-hmm. comes first. What happened, I think is that um, the lines are so blurred that it's unclear what anybody does. Right. It's unclear what architects do. It's unclear what interior designers do, and that has to somehow that has to somehow evolve. And and I ask mm-hmm. myself the question every day of how do you how do how do we kind of together define the roles because the engineering roles are clearly defined. I'm not going to start calculating loads for concrete you're not going to either and you know but that's pretty clear Mm -hmm. but when it comes to uh, 
these kind of blurred boundaries, then I feel like we're all fighting for the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then we, we inadvertently, we just, we try to, to backstab each other, you know, because we're fighting for the same thing. Yeah. You know, I think Um, that's true. I think perhaps only one person can be the lead. So uh, in the way that I've worked with architects in the past and even with GCs to an extent is if, if the client phones me first and I bring the architect in, then I'm the lead on the project. If the architect gets the job first and they bring me in, then I work for the architect. Like that's how we do it. And it means that if I have a beef with something in the design, I would never tell the client because I, because I work for the architect. That would be horrible. Why would I do that? I, I, to me, I feel like all of, a lot of those problems get resolved by deciding who's the lead on the project, but you have to check your ego at the door. Like there yeah. are some contractors who just cannot allow an interior designer to be the lead. They can't. They have to be the lead, and so they are constantly throwing us under the bus. That's okay. We just can't work with those contractors. We need you know, that, that rare breed of contractor who also has got some humility. And you know, of course, we learn a ton from them. Of course we do. I also think that the, the nature of the contractors is changing as people get older and the new generation is coming in. There's a lot more, there's a lot more women actually involved. There's a lot more, um, it's uh, younger people who kind of have a broader outlook on things. I think a lot of it is that the younger generation is kind of growing up and they're, they're taking more on these roles. There can be a more technology, technology forward, um, uh, conversation. And so the older generation, this kind of more patriarchal generation, so to call it in a contracting world disappears, which I think will be a lot more friendly towards interior designers and towards architects, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a generational thing as well. I see it as a generational thing quite a bit. All right. Good. Good to know. Okay. We like to end every episode with something we call design intervention, which is just a great piece of business advice. Uh, yeah, never talk about yourself as a woman architect. Um, yeah. Uh, Why, why, why do you need that qualifier? I don't, that's, I, I, I don't like having that conversation, you know, and then I'm very particular about it because there's no need to kind of separate anyone. So when people tell me, you know, you're, you're a woman and you're architect, I'm like, no, I'm an architect. Right. <laughs> you know, so. It's like the old yeah. joke. What do you call a female pilot? A pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a pilot. I think we need to get over that. Like yeah. yesterday, you know, so um, it's, it's something that I, I, I feel very strongly about actually. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Good luck with all your projects. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks you very much. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.